Welcome to Grace Church. It's always a joy to gather with God's people. We welcome those who are watching uh, on live stream, and I do want to encourage you that even though you watch church on live stream, the best thing is always to gather with God's people on the Lord's Day. So even if you join us, please find a good Bible preaching local church near you and worship with God's people and then join us on live stream. We are glad to welcome you, especially our friends in Cameroon. I am uh, returning to a text that I return to every three or four years, not for you primarily, but for me. And uh, as I preach it to myself, I hope it will speak to you also. But let me give you a little background to where I'm going over the next uh, seven weeks. As you know, our sister church in Allentown uh, is pastored by our pastor Rolando, and Jose is up there every week, and I'm up there once a month uh, preaching. But uh, they have really put on a great evangelistic effort uh, with people inviting their friends and their loved ones and their neighbors and I think almost every week seeing people come to Christ. So over the next uh, seven weeks, I'm going to be encouraging you to do that. Bring somebody with you, encourage somebody to come. Because next week I will begin a series uh, on the Gospel of John. You know, John ends his Gospel saying this, Many other signs truly did Jesus, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So I am going to look at those seven signs that John chose uh, to persuade us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through faith we can have life through his, in his name. And uh, I hope you will bring somebody, and God will speak to their hearts and bring them uh, to himself over the next eight weeks. By the way, our children may be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. So our text this morning, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, I'm going to talk about three debts that we owe to the world. I'm not talking about your Visa or MasterCard or Discover uh, or American Express, uh, which are not always fun to pay. They're not a delight to pay. Uh, but I want to talk about three debts that we should find joy in paying these debts to the world. Listen to God's word, Colossians 4, beginning in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. 
Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I remind you that Paul writes these verses from a prison cell. Uh, He is in prison. His freedom is gone, so to speak. He's not surrounded by his friends. I assume that his that, that, that his accommodations are not what he would choose in life. And yet, while in prison, he's asking prayer for his evangelistic efforts. In his mind, his circumstances do not change his mission. He's in prison. Pray for me that God would open a door. I have a mission, and let me tell you, we have a mission. It's the same as Paul's, to declare the mystery of Jesus Christ, to bring people to see, to engage them with the glory of Christ that their hearts and their minds might be captured by by who he is and what he has done for them. Our circumstances do not change our mission. We still are called to declare this mystery of Jesus Christ. I'm I'm moved by Paul because he never got over this, what he calls the mystery of Christ, that, that profoundly changed his life. He never lost sight of what God did for him in Jesus And he never lost sight of the need to tell others about what God has done for sinners in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Despite his unfavorable circumstances, he wants to fulfill his mission. He actually believes that God, in the midst of his troublesome circumstances, that God can still open doors, that God's mission is not hindered by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. There's no question that the world we're living in has made life difficult for most people, if not all people. It has made changes for all of us. And let me say that this pandemic has had a uh, a profound, maybe even devastating effect on Christian ministry. By that I mean some of the things that we are called to do have been restricted or limited. And I'm not going to get into the politics of, of, of all of that, whether you agree or disagree. I do know that you agree with one thing, or you should agree with one thing, And that is, we have a mission. And our mission is to make disciples, to declare the mystery of Jesus Christ. And we live in a circumstance that prevents that in some ways. You can't gather as you used to. 
I mean, we're called to be hospitable, to invite people into our homes, to feed them, to rejoice together, to talk together. That's been restricted. We're called to be friendly with people. You know, you can try to smile with your eyes, and you ought to try to smile with your eyes, but there's nothing like a, a smile. I mean, we want to engage people. We want to be friendly because we want the opportunity, if God opens the door, to talk to them about Jesus Christ. Yes, life has become difficult. Our circumstances are difficult. But the mission has not changed. And Paul is saying, yes, I'm in prison. I've lost my freedom. I don't have crowds gathered around me. But I believe that God's mission still goes on, and I, I pray, I ask you to pray for me, that here in this prison, God would open a door. Now, I know that Colossians and Philippians were written at the same, in the same time frame from the same imprisonment. I don't know which went out first, Colossians or Philippians. Uh, I think maybe Colossians, because he tells the Philippians, what, what I wanted is happening, that my imprisonment has turned out so that all of the Roman guard that is assigned to me has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's mission, despite my circumstances, has gone on. God is saving people because that's what he does. That's what he wants to keep on doing. And so this morning I want to challenge us to do the things that are necessary to see the mission go forward. And I call them three debts we owe to the world. And they're simple debts. We owe what I call strategic prayer. We need to be praying for God to open doors. We need strategic prayer. We need to live wisely and to make good use of the time. We need wise living. We don't need excuses. You know, we live in a world where COVID is the excuse for everything. For every incompetence, for every failure to perform. And sometimes it is a legitimate reason, but many times it's just an excuse. And for many of us, where mission has stopped, where we don't talk to people about Jesus, COVID becomes not the reason, the excuse. Because God's mission goes on despite our circumstances. He opens doors if we ask him to. He does that. The third debt is speech that is what I call palatable. Those of you that like to cook, you know what it is to make things palatable, to, to make them appetizing. They not only look good, but they taste good. So the debts we owe to the world are, first of all, we owe strategic prayer. Listen again 
to Paul's words as he writes to the Colossians. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Prayer. He says pray in such a way that you, you don't give up. Pray steadfastly. Continue steadfastly. Don't give up. Your circumstances don't change the need of the world. And your circumstances don't change that one of the primary means that God uses to advance his purposes in the world is by his people praying. And I confess, when I think about prayer and the sovereignty of God, my little peanut brain cannot figure out how my prayer has any real effect in the sovereign purposes of God. I can't figure it out. All I know is that the Bible calls us to keep on praying and to keep believing that God answers prayer. He does respond to the prayers of his people. So Paul says, don't quit praying. Don't stop. Don't give up on that stubborn, resistant, maybe blasphemous family member. Don't give up on that neighbor who disturbs you and annoys you. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on that atheist who says, I don't believe in God because God saves atheists. Pray, Paul says. Continue to pray. I've shared many times the role of prayer in my salvation in Steve's salvation, in our children's salvation. And if you have come to Christ, it's because somebody, before you were even spoken to, somebody was praying for you. Somebody was praying that God would bring you to himself. Don't let COVID extinguish your prayer life. Be watchful, he says. In the midst of all of your troubles, he's in prison. If, if you're in prison, what, do you, what, what would you think about normally? You would think about, I'm in prison. Look at what I've lost. You would live in self-pity. But Paul says, no, our circumstances don't change the mission. Keep your eyes open as you pray. Keep looking at the needs that are out there because they are there. Our circumstances don't change the need of the world that we're living in. Be watchful. Our isolation, which COVID in many ways has brought about, our isolation often leads to ignorance or unawareness of needs. We're not interacting with people. We don't see their pain. We don't see their heartache. Paul says, keep your eyes open. I'm in prison, but I'm looking every day for that change of guard, 
looking to see who God is going to bring to sit by my side so I can talk to him about Jesus Christ. Be aware of the world that you, were living, that you are living in. And then he says, pray. Pray with thanksgiving. What do you mean, Paul? You're in prison. What are you thankful for? Well, that's a good question. What are you thankful for? You have troubles. You've got things in your life that you wish weren't there that disturb you, disappoint you. What are you thankful for? And we know what Paul would say. He would say, I'm giving thanks always for God, to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks for the forgiveness of sins. Giving thanks for that one who hung on the cross in my place. Giving thanks because I'm a child of God. Giving thanks because my circumstances never change the best thing about me. And that is I'm a child of God. Giving thanks. And perhaps... This may explain why we let COVID extinguish our prayer. Because we are so self-absorbed, so consumed with our own problems, our own needs, our own difficulties, that we're not even thinking that we already possess the most valuable gift that anyone can have. I have eternal life. I'm a child of God. Nothing changes that. COVID doesn't change that. Losing your job doesn't change that. Laying in a hospital bed doesn't change that. Being in prison like Paul does not change. He says, pray. Don't stop praying. Pray with your eyes open and pray with overwhelming gratitude for what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. We owe the debt of strategic prayer. Don't let COVID kill your prayer life. Secondly, we owe the debt of a wise, wise walk. He says it simply in verse 5. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Now, he's not diminishing those who are not in Christ by calling them outsiders, but that's the fact. If you're not in Christ, you are outside of Christ, and if you are outside of Christ, you are outside of forgiveness, you are outside of peace, you are outside of joy, you are outside of heaven, you are outside of the mercy and grace of God. There are people, who he says, who are on the outside, and you have a responsibility to them. Walk wisely. It'd be good to re-listen to the couple of sermons that Pastor Rolando preached from Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, where Paul was instructing older men and younger men and older women and younger women how they ought to live their lives in this world. And the reason he told them for, for living that way, 
he, what was this? He said, so that in every way you may make the teaching about our God attractive. So that in every way. And I read that and I want to, I need to repent often. Would that person, after how I've treated them or the attitude that I've had or the words that I've said or the maybe disregard that I showed, would that person want to hear about Jesus from me? Paul says, young men, old men, old women, younger women, live in this godly way so that you may make the teaching of our God attractive. It's always nice when somebody that you don't know who gets to know you and finds out that you're a Christian can say to you, I thought you were a Christian just by the way you acted, just by the way you treated others. I thought you were a Christian. Rather than to be surprised, you're a Christian? Well, you tell the same dirty jokes. You fill your pockets with stuff that doesn't belong to you. You treat people badly. You're a Christian. No, live wisely so that in every way you may make the teaching about our God and Savior attractive. Make the best use of your time. Living wisely means being a good steward. And here, if you've heard me speak from this text before, you know that I, I like the older translation because it's much more literal. The King James says, redeem the time. Walk wisely, redeeming the time. And the Greek's pretty precise in its language. As you may know, in the Greek language, there are multiple words for time. They're all translated time, but there's multiple words. One word simply means time as a succession of moments, you know, chronology. Another word means time as a significant moment, an event. Like when Paul says in Corinthians, now is the accepted time. Or as he says here, redeem the time. He's not saying time in general, time as chronology. He's saying redeem that, that moment. And perhaps he means that moment in which God answers your prayer that he would open a door. Because he opens the door, he creates the opportunity. Now will you go through it? But to go through it, he says, you have to pay something. You have to give something 
in exchange to make that moment a moment when God can, through his word, get hold of somebody's heart. You have to exchange something. Sometimes it's just exchanging our own ego, our own pride. Sometimes it's actually money. Sometimes it's actually giving stuff that in order for me to have an opportunity to speak to somebody about their soul, I need to first meet the immediate pressing physical need of their life. It's like that hungry homeless man who wants a sandwich, but you want to give him the gospel. And the fact is, he won't hear the gospel if his stomach is growling louder than your voice. So you give him a sandwich so you can give him the gospel of Jesus Christ. You make an exchange. It's sometimes it's time. We are so fixed on fulfilling our agendas and getting our job done that often we pass by people who are on their way to hell without any regard to their soul because we're too busy. We have an agenda. Paul says, walk wisely toward those who are outside. You want them on the inside enjoying this wonderful grace of God, but you must buy that moment. Pay the price to make that moment a God moment when God will use you to work in somebody's life. Thirdly, we owe the debt of well-seasoned speech, palatable speech. Look at verse 6 with me again. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Imagine conversation that is always full of grace. I can't claim that. I want that, but I can't claim that. But I know that if we will reach people for Christ, it won't be by being nasty or harsh or critical or ugly or unloving or right. It'll be because our words are filled with grace. You know, one of the, 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 the greatest problems we have in having gracious speech as Christians is we know the truth about God, about Christ, about sin, about the world that we're living in. Sometimes I think we think we know the truth about everything else too, but only the Bible gives us the ability to just say, yes, I know this to be absolutely true. But often it's our pig-headedness about other things, whether it's music or style or 
politics or, you know, we, we are so right that nobody wants to listen to us because our rightness lacks graciousness. Let your speech be always filled with grace because that's what you've experienced. You know, every person you're talking to, every person you're talking to is no worse than you are by the grace of God. Every person. I'm never talking to somebody who's a worse sinner than me, who needs greater grace than me. Every person I'm talking to is like me in so many ways. And I've received grace. I know the grace of God. I know the greatness of my sin. I know that I deserve hell. I know my wickedness. I know the evil of my own heart. And God has given me grace. Amen. And when I know that, I'm humble. I'm not on a high horse. I'm not critical. I'm not judging. My words would be, will be filled with grace because my heart is filled with grace. And let your words, he says, be seasoned with salt. In the Bible, salt can have both the ability to preserve things, to keep the life of it, or to bring out the taste of it. And that's how Paul is using it here. Uh, bring out the good quality of your words. Season it with salt. I'll never forget my good Italian friend, uh, Sam Denena, telling us one day that he wanted to cook steaks for us. We would buy the steaks, he would cook them. And he says, I want you to get the best meat you can. You know, none of that stuff just off the counter. Prime meat. And no marinade. He says, if you have good meat, all you need is a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of salt and pepper. And it'll bring out the flavor of that. And that's how I cook a steak, unless I buy a cheap steak. Then I'll soak it in something so it tastes like something other than what it was meant to be. Season it with salt. Let your speech be appetizing. People should want to listen to you, and that takes, that takes the grace of God. It takes wisdom from God. Because nobody likes being told that they're sinners on their way to hell, that they are so bad that God had to take on human flesh to die in their place. Nobody wants to hear that. That goes against our self-righteous nature. But we find a way by the grace of God, how do I talk to this person about something that he doesn't think he needs, but I know and God knows it's the greatest need of his life. How can I open that conversation and gently enter it and expose him not only to his own heart, but to the truth about Jesus Christ? Paul said, that's your responsibility. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I always found that striking, that he did not say, so that you may know how to talk or preach or evangelize everyone. No, he says, do this so that you may know how to answer. Have this well-prepared speech so that as you are listening to those who are on the outside, you are understanding their questions, that you can take the gospel message and relate it to the questions that they are asking. We listen. Most of us are, especially men, most of us are better talkers than we are listeners. Just ask your wife if you're married. But evangelism, good evangelism, requires good listening. So that you may know how to answer, because you've listened to their questions. And I think about the world we're living in. What, what, what questions are people asking? Well, I know one of the ones is, am I safe? Will I ever really be safe? People live in fear about getting sick. Am I safe? And the answer to that is, outside of Christ, no. Because even if you escape everything else in this world, you will go to hell. You're not safe. But the good news is, I can still hear my dad telling me a hundred times, John, the safest place is always the will of God. Live in the will of God. Because God is our fortress, our shelter, our rock, the one in whom we hide. In Christ is the only safe place. So no, you're not safe if you're not in Christ. But the good news is you can be. Another question people ask is, who can I trust? When someone's talking, you know, who can I trust? You know, can I trust the government? Can I trust the media? Can I trust my neighbor? You know, wh where did he get his information? Facebook? Who can I trust? And the answer to that is really no one absolutely Many people along the way, qualitatively, because you get to know that they're trustworthy, but no one is absolutely trustworthy. How can I live if I, if I, if I, if I don't know whose words I can trust? You can trust God. He will never lie to you. Never hide the truth from you. You can trust God. What he says, he will stand behind. 
He's always done that, always will do that. God cannot lie. I can lie. You can lie. Matter of fact, we have all lied. But God can't. This is the world we're living in. There's many other questions, but every question of the heart can only find its answer in a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. These are the three debts we owe. Strategic prayer, wise living, seasoned, palatable speech. And I hope today you will leave here with a, something stirring in your heart where it will lead you to a covenant with God where you will say, I want to pay these debts. I won't do it perfectly, but I want to pay these debts. Why? Because I know your grace. You have shown me your grace. Why? Because I take a look at the cross. I take a look at my sin. And all I can say is, thank you, God. I want to pay these debts because the joy that I have is the joy that I want others to have. I, I love the way that the theologian Daniel Fuller uh, describes what he calls doubling your joy. He says, in Christ and salvation, you have this magnificent joy. But he says, you double that joy when you talk to someone else about what God has done for you in Christ. Your joy is doubled. Pay your debt. Don't let COVID be an excuse for not praying. Don't let your circumstances be an excuse for not living in a way that makes the gospel attractive. And don't let your circumstances be an excuse for having words that curse instead of blessing. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, help us to all of us to pray more fervently, to live more faithfully, and to speak more graciously. We need your help. We ask for it. In Jesus' name, amen.